Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast. As we work our way through this worldwide pandemic, ministry leaders in local churches are trying to find their footing in this rapidly changing terrain. One of these ministry categories is youth ministry. What happens when churches and youth groups can no longer gather as they always have? Our guest today is Rick Lawrence. He's the longtime editor of Group Magazine, a leading voice in youth ministry, and he's the author of many books, including Jesus-Centered Youth Ministry. And Rick continues to lead a group of teenagers every week, though that looks quite different today. Welcome, Rick. Hi, Tom. Great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, this uh, coronavirus pandemic, with uh, all of its restrictions and uncertainties, affects everybody for sure. Help us understand, uh, from your perspective, how it is affecting teenagers. Yeah, it's massive, actually. Um, so, uh, like a lot of people in our culture, when the restrictions first came down, they were you we were kind of stunned, like you just got hit by a bus. But there was also a novelty to it, like, and we were all in it together. We all had a sense that, yeah, we're going to have to do the unbelievable right now. How long is this going to last? Maybe the churches will be open by Easter. We heard a lot of that happening early on. So there was a novelty and a kind of an excitement early on about all of the change that was happening. Um, and then that, that change quickly devolved into, um, you know, <laughs> heartbreak, loss, grief, lament as one thing after another that these kids had been looking forward to went away. So they, there was some magical thinking going on early. You know, maybe our spring sports will still be able to be played. Maybe my spring musical, we can still do our spring musical or maybe prom or maybe commencement. And each one of those has been toppled over like a domino, one after the other. So the kids in my group are, are uh, I have about 30 of them uh, in our virtual youth group, um, which is actually more than we had when we were face-to-face. We had around 20, uh, and I can talk later about why we have more, but those kids all have massive loss in their life, which has produced uh, growing anxiety. Um, more and more of them are having psychological and even physical symptoms of not having the ability to be touched or face-to-face or with their friends. Friend groups are so powerful in their lives that it's not just about replacing that with, with Zoom interactions. It's they are missing something fundamental um, that is showing up. Uh, it's almost like they're losing some of their identity. So I see it in the kids that we're ministering to. I hear it in stories from youth leaders all over the country, but I also see it in my own two daughters who are home quarantined with us. One's in college and one's a junior in high school. They, they, are, they are really struggling with anxiety, sleeplessness, um, loss, sadness, lots of tears. Um, uh, some days they're doing fine and then whack, they get hit by something that they weren't, didn't see coming. So I would say uh, right now among teenagers, it's an epidemic of anxiety and uh, grief that they're experiencing. 
except for some kids who are uh, kind of, I would say, in uh, reacting by disbelieving it all. Like, mm -hmm. none of this is necessary. This is stupid and ridiculous. Uh, we should be able to get with whoever we want, and we're going to do it. Even if it means breaking the rules. Yeah, last uh, Friday, we, uh, we got a note that someone in our neighborhood, which is our neighborhood is organized around a, like a two-mile circle. Um, someone in our neighborhood had organized a parade for all the graduating seniors who weren't going to have their commencement on time. And parents were organizing this, and they were encouraging everybody to come out on the street and wave and, you know, shake cowbells for them and stuff like that. So we went out there to do that. Um, thinking that there would be some kind of guidelines for it, but there weren't. It was 30 teenagers walking side by side, arm in arm, right next to each other mm -hmm. down our street. Wow. And we're just watching from the sidewalk going, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, and then they played volleyball after the mm -hmm. parade finished. So it's like, what? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, you have to remember how important peer relationships are during adolescence. Yeah. And so when those are ripped apart and kids are isolated, uh, it's, it's a bigger deal, I think, for teenagers than for many other age groups. I think that's totally true. And it's not just um, a rhetorical thought. It's a biological truth that there is, a, there is a chemical reaction happening. This sounds funny, but their biology is, is under duress right now because they, they are wired to be in relationship. Uh, with their friend group. And uh, unless you're a, a extreme introvert, and we have a few of those in our group, and when you ask them, how's it going? They're like, perfect. Been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> but those are, those are really the exceptions. Um, the kids that are actually thriving in isolation are, are rare. The rest of them are under great duress right now. Mm. Well, Rick, uh, you work a lot with uh, people who minister to teenagers. How are they handling this crisis and how are they doing youth ministry under these stay at home rules? Yeah, um, a lot of them would say that their job got a lot harder than it was before these restrictions because they're having to learn so many new ways of doing things on the fly mm. and they're having to blow up what they're used to doing and reinvent everything they're doing on the fly, and that's exhausting. And doing everything over Zoom also is exhausting. That's not just for people in ministry, but I, if you've been doing a lot of stuff on Zoom, you know that doing a little bit of that is exhausting. Doing a lot of it can burn you out. And they're doing a lot of stuff uh, that mitigated by screens right now. So youth pastors are reacting by, uh, some of them are reacting with incredible, amazing creativity in the moment, trying to figure out how to stay connected and um, how to help their kids. Some have checked out or their leaders have, I've heard some youth pastors say, my leader said, you know, kids don't want to, you know, be involved in youth ministry during this. So just don't worry about doing anything. So there's a remarkable number of groups that are doing nothing hmm. uh, other than just trying to, to stay connected to their kids. And I'd say uh, one of the downsides of what's happening right now in the response to this amongst youth ministry people is that, they're trying to stay connected and give kids some way of being involved in their youth ministry still, but their, uh, their goals and their vision 
for helping them to actually grow in their relationship with Jesus during this time is kind of on the back burner because that, that almost seems like a luxury to some of them now. So there's lots of creativity. The, uh, the, one, the other troubling thing that I see uh, that, that's happening, and this has happened in the church at large as well, is the initial response was to keep kids connected over Zoom or some other platform by simply videotaping your message or, do, or doing your message live on like Facebook Live. So doing like a 15 minute message uh, because mo most youth ministries are patterned after what happens in large church. So they give a message, there's worship, uh, there's announcements, there's things like that uh, with the addition of small groups to them. But this idea of just giving kids a one-way communication video message and expecting them to come back for that week after week, it was a novelty for the first two weeks. And then after that, it's the impact of that is really diminished. That's why I'm advocating a more interactive approach to this than that. Do you think that uh, that is exposing in some way the uh, weakness of the 15 or 20 minute lecture, no matter how it's delivered, whether it's live or online? Yeah, yesterday I was in a five hour conference, a virtual conference with a bunch of other national youth ministry leaders. And I said during that conference, that what's happening right now is that the fake wizard has had the curtain pulled back on him, <laughs> like in the Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm. that this idea that behind the curtain, we're crafting this 15 minute message that is changing people's lives. And that's what we're going to keep doing week after week. The curtain has been pulled back by, but by these pandemic restrictions and exposed for what it really is. Because I've said to other youth pastors, that blank stare you're getting from kids on your call when they're just watching your, your, your message and that, that some of them will fall asleep. Um, some of them lean back in their chair. Some of them are messaging other people or doing homework during it. That's actually what's happening inside of them when they're face-to-face -face listening to mm -hmm. it. They just, you don't see it because of the, the screen has allowed them to feel more free in, in responding actually the way they feel. So that message is not having the impact that you think it is. And, it, and, hope, and the hope is that that's also leveraging youth pastors to try something different that actually is the thing we needed to be doing all along, but we were dug our heels in. What we needed to be doing all along is making sure kids have a voice and that what our engagement with them and even in the teaching setting is that their voice matters they're doing the discovering of the truth. We're inputting into that. And, but they get to interact and experience things. And the whole environment is highly engaging instead of them simply being consumers of one person giving message. Mm. We'll come back to that, I think, when we talk about what you're doing in your group here in just a moment. But what are some of the short-term and long-term effects of this pandemic on youth ministry, do you think? Yeah, that's, a, that's the big question. The short answer is we don't know. There are some people that are, are thinking that there will be some long-term change coming out of this. Others think, no, once we get back to normal, pe people are human beings that just go back to their default setting. If I had to guess, I'd say the trauma of this experience and, the, and both the creativity and the hardship it's created are going to continue after the fact in some way. My hope is that, you know, uh, I've talked before about um, 
we don't change easily as human beings. Pain is the, is the lever that always changes us. And we are in a lot of pain right now. And I, I tell our kids in our group, Jesus is, it did not cause your pain, but he will not waste your pain. He is going to use your pain for good if you will let him do that. And my, that's my same prayer for the youth ministry community. Um, Jesus will use the pain that we're going through right now to leverage us towards something much greater, more effective, and more engaging if we will let him. And I believe there are youth pastors out there who are, have, have gotten the wake-up call and understand, hey, what we were doing before needs to change. Kids today are wired to be participatory learners. It is central to their identity, and they get that in every area of their life except at church. And that's one huge reason why in the last five years we've seen a 25% exodus of teenagers from the church. People are thinking it's this, it's that. The real, the dirty little secret is that they're leaving because they, they don't get to participate when they go to church. And they're used to that in every other area of their life. And we are hard, hardwired by God to participate. Jesus, the way he taught was by involving people and engaging them in whatever they were discovering and learning. He didn't do it for them. He, he challenged them to learn and grow on their own. Rick, you, uh, for a number of years now, you've been leading a group of teenagers meeting in your own home weekly. And since this pandemic has come along, describe uh, what's been happening. How, how have you adapted youth ministry for your own group? Yeah, that's great. So we have a, high, we have a highly interactive experiential environment face-to-face. Um, that means pairs, trios, foursomes, um, in, in small groups that I break them into, um, all discovering and pursuing a, a certain challenge that and I've given them. You're doing this online. Well, and what, we, well, what I had to do, the challenge of this was we did all this face-to-face, including experiences that, would, that, that we used to teach them. Then I had to figure out, can we do this online? Mm. So I did some investigating to try to find the right platform. I had some false starts with some platforms that people were recommending and landed back at Zoom. Zoom is clearly the winner in this environment as far as uh, creating the, uh, giving me the right tools to be highly interactive. And so I'm in the middle of my second training cohort right now, training youth pastors from around the country on how to transition their ministry virtually and make it interactive and experiential because the thing that I've been hearing from youth pastors everywhere and seeing posted on Twitter and elsewhere is, hey, my message thing isn't working. Clearly, I need to be more interactive. I don't know how to do that. So we did one cohort of this of about 35 youth pastors, and there was enough interest that we added a second one, and I'm in the middle of that right now, just helping them learn not only how to use Zoom's tools to create interaction, but also to show them how to, uh, the difference between a good question and a bad question, how to create experiences that you can then debrief and help attach to a biblical pursuit of something, um, how to use video in your, in your ministry to create high levels of engagement, not just to post funny videos, but to, to post videos that create conversation. Um, we're going through all of these basic tools that they'll also be able to use once the pandemic restrictions have been relaxed. So, so uh, I had to figure out how to 
move all this online. And I'd say it has been largely um, uh, successful. Uh, we are still mitigated by the screen and the, and the deficits the screen brings to the table. Uh, obviously, we all wish we could be face to face, but it's a highly interactive. So uh, I'll just give you a, a, a thumbnail here. Yeah. Uh, the, um, our group used to meet from about seven o'clock till nine o'clock when we were face to face. And from about seven to 7.15, we just hung out. And then from 7.15 to nine, we had this experiential interactive experience. Um, and the virtual group, I was trying to get it uh, less time. So because of the mitigation of the screen, we're ending up to be about seven to nine. <laughs> um, and it's because it's a highly engaged environment. There's, there's not boredom in the middle of this. Everyone is engaged in what's happening. So these kids, about 30 of them, are online on the screen for two hours every Tuesday night involved in this highly engaging um, environment. What have you seen happen over time since you've been on the online format in terms of uh, kids who show up? I know in uh, regular church, Sunday morning regular worship, uh, churches are starting to see a uh, decline in the number of people who are tuning in online. What are you seeing? So I mentioned before, we have about 20, maybe a little more than that, um, on a regular basis when we're face-to-face. -face. Now we have 25 to 30 showing up every week. It's not always exactly the same group. We still have some people come in and out. Uh, these kids are still in school. So some of them have things that, they, that, that conflict with meeting. But for the most part, we've had the same kids. Um, we have added college students that used to be in the group and aren't anymore. We've been doing this group for six years now. So some of them are in college and they have rejoined the group. We have three kids who moved out of state and they have rejoined the group. They are some of the most faithful to, to be in the group because they so miss it so much. Mm -hmm. so, so we've actually grown our group during this time and they're telling friends to come join this group. We have a new girl uh, who's come now for two weeks in a row. And uh, on Tuesday night, she shared how, how much she appreciates being involved in the group because she said, my church isn't doing anything in youth ministry and I've never experienced anything like this. Mm. So uh, she is very excited to stay connected. So we've actually grown the group with kids that once we go back to face-to-face, -to -face, um, I'm not sure how we're, uh, and now the big problem now is how can I continue to, engage those kids who won't be able to meet face to face. I'm not sure yet. I have, I'm having to think through what this transition is going to look like, but those kids have loved being a part of this again. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Rick, how might the changes that uh, you're seeing in youth ministry now provide a glimpse of the changes that may be coming in the larger church in general? Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the million dollar question. I, I think, uh, A, youth leaders don't have the luxury, I don't think, of simply doing what the church is trying to do right now, which is to stream their messages on Sunday mornings and show their worship team in social isolation doing worship songs. Youth ministries know that kids will vote with their feet and probably, and you know this is true as well, Tom, that probably they're voting with their feet in the, in the large church as well, that if they know that if they don't change their approach, 
they won't have anything left. And so I think youth leaders, are be, uh, they're, they're very creative. The, they're, they're very uh, problem solving kinds of people typically. And I think some of the innovations that they'll come up with in the midst of this will carry through to the, to the rest of the church. Um, I've heard from some youth pastors, it was funny, I heard this yesterday, that uh, in a lot of churches, they have suddenly gained a lot of status because they're the only ones in the church that understand social media and virtual platforms like mm -hmm. this. So they've become very needed during this time. So I think a youth pastor's influence has actually grown during this time for churches that have a teachable, humble perspective about it. Mm, interesting. Well, these are changing times and things are changing so rapidly, day by day, in fact, that uh, it's, it's breathtaking, really. Oh, yeah, it's for yeah. sure. Well, thank you, Rick. Uh, keep up your groundbreaking work. And uh, on a different uh, wavelength, you, I know, are finishing up a new project called Jesus Centered Daily, which uh, is coming soon now. And uh, we'll be looking for that and uh, really looking forward to it. That, that's going to be great. And for our listeners, we'll watch for all of you in the next Holy Soup podcast. <laughs>